Hey folks, Zach Osmer here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. He is Dustin DePierak, IU Insider, Bloomington Herald Times. Um, it is Sunday night, October 2nd, 2022. I think we're both a little bit more rested than we were when we talked to you bleary-eyed about 19 hours ago or whatever that was. Um, Dustin, uh, we'll put a bit of a, a point on Nebraska and then talk a little football or a little basketball. Um, the thing I, and I, I didn't really have time to, to watch it back, but the, the thing that I came back to kind of over and over again. Um, Indiana had 15 drives last night. And of those 15 drives, only five lasted at least six plays. None lasted as many as eight plays. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, three and outs. There were more three and outs than there were drives of at least six plays. And even if you include the two touchdown drives, only one, two, three, four drives ended in Nebraska territory. It's a bizarre thing to say on a night where you gave up 35 points, although obviously eight, seven of those come from a, uh, a special teams breakdown. But, I mean, this offense just – Indiana can't win games if this offense is going to be this inconsistent. Against, against frankly, I get they didn't have Cam Camper. I get they didn't have – uh, DJ Matthews, but against, frankly, a defense that, that just has no business shutting them down like this. Yeah, I mean, I think the unfortunate part is that when they don't have Cam Camper and they, do, they don't have DJ Matthews, it does have business shutting them down like that, which speaks to a greater issue. Um, you know, it's like that, that's, it's true. And it's not a good thing um, that I, I mean, I, I do think they would have been able to do a lot more if they had Cam Camper and DJ Matthews, but the fact that they can't withstand two losses and, you know, still have a, a functional offense uh, isn't good. And, and you know, with, with one of those, you know, with one of those losses not being a quarterback, uh, basically we were just losing two playmakers. And don't get me wrong, those guys are really good. Uh, Campers had a terrific season. Matthews has a, a ton of ability that you see from, you know, because of injury, the injury last year, you've only got to see it from time to time. And he's a slot receiver, so there's only, you know, like he can only dominate a game so frequently. Um but at the end of the day, I mean, there was just a huge difference there with like there were just many moments where they needed a guy that could run away from somebody uh, and they didn't have one. And just that the, the um, you know, Nebraska secondary is not very good, you know, statistically, um, but it has some guys that can run around and, um, you know. <laughs> OK, something with something with the Braves must have happened. Moving on. Anyway, uh, the, um, just play through it. Come on. I'm trying, man. You're, you're, it's a lot of reaction right there. Anyway, uh, but you know, there, there's nobody, Indiana doesn't throw out any, anybody else that Nebraska can't cover, basically. I mean, there, there's, there's, you know, like it's not like their defensive backs are so deficient that they can't handle a trio of Javon Swinton, Anderson, Kobe, and Emory Simmons. You know, those guys are just simply not above them. Um, that doesn't mean that those guys can't make plays. And they did, you know, each of them made, I think at least one pretty impressive play during the day. And, and, and I don't know that you could say that they didn't step up because they, again, they each had their moments, but that's the thing is that like when, when you lose a guy like Cam Camper, you can't just have a couple, you know, each of those guys have maybe two really big catches. Like someone's got to have like seven or eight or something like that and, and, and really step up and be a guy. Um, and, you know, so it's like, I don't even want to bang on those guys because I mean, like, I don't think that they played poorly necessarily considering what you would expect from them. You know, they're okay. They're each okay receivers. They're all okay. 
And, you know, for, for big 10 level, they're okay for you to run them out there, but they're just not running away from people. So yeah, it, it, it has to be better, but you know, it comes down to if, you know, I mean, as soon as I heard Cam Camper was out and DJ Matthews was out, I certainly thought this is a different football game than it was. Yeah. I mean, there's kind of this idea of, you know, Indiana lacking playmakers offensively. And I think when, you know, when you say that, people immediately think of someone like, like the Jalen Lucas run and, and they want to know why Jalen Lucas isn't getting more touches and listen, you know, well, I mean, we asked Tom Allen a little bit Saturday. We'll probably ask him again Monday. Um, but it's, it's rarely as simple as just give the freshman more carries. There are going to be a variety of reasons, for example, pass protection potentially. And that's just one of potentially, you know, potentially several um, why a freshman may not be ready for, for, you know, high volume snaps. But I think that when people think of playmakers, they think of, of that moment. They think of players like Jalen Lucas and they think of, you know, guys out in the open field, making players miss, running away from players, et cetera. I think for a good functional offense, what you're looking for is, is more the, like it basically just guys who understand like, this is my role. This is how I help. This is like, I mean, it, like a, a good example would be Stevie Scott when he was at Indiana. Would you call him a playmaker? Certainly not. At least in the sense that, you know, the, the better the offense got, the less it used Stevie Scott. But when Indiana needed plays, they got exactly what they, what Stevie Scott knew they needed from him. When Indiana needed third and two, he got it. When Indiana had the ball inside the 10, they scored because Stevie Scott scored for them. When Indiana had fourth and short, Stevie Scott got it. You know, it, it sometimes that can be a playmaker. It's not just the guy that's, you know, that gets like, you know, you kind of talk about there like nine catches for 140 and a score. And it's not just the guy that gets out in the open field and, and you know, dazzles you somehow. Sometimes it is also the guy who, you know, just frankly, like you can count on to make the specific plays that you need when you need them, whether it's converting a third and short, getting you on, you know, second manageable, whatever it is. And right now there are too many guys within this offense. And you're right too, to, to say that like Emory Simmons had a, a, good, a good enough game. Anderson Kobe had a good enough game. Josh Henderson continues to, you know, sort of, I mean, like overall, you know, uh, seven touches, 66 yards. Josh Henderson continues to make positive contributions for this team. But you still don't feel like there's, there's, you know, you know what you can rely on this guy to do and that guy to do. And therefore you don't feel like you have enough, I mean, quote unquote, playmakers. There just, there aren't enough guys that you feel like you can, you can just say, not just the ones that can make you the big explosive flashy plays, but also the ones that are reliably just going to make you positive plays that build drives that last longer than two minutes or six plays. This team just doesn't have them right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the one place I'd push back is to say, like, if I, I think if you look at, you know, you, you look at all the skill position guys last night, like, you know, who failed to meet? Who failed to meet their role? It's just that there's a big hole there that nobody else can fill. I mean, like Simmons six for fifty-seven and a touchdown. You know, 
that's a pretty good night for him. Anderson Kobe, five catches for 54 yards. I'm sure that's the most productive night he's had. Uh, you know, Henderson, like you mentioned, you know, only had five carries for 22 yards, caught three passes for 44, uh, you know, had had, you know, turned those into some pretty big plays. Um, you know, Javon Swinton had a really big 28 yard catch in the really good drive they had, you know, and and, and there's others. I, I guess part of it is that there's others down the line whose names didn't get called at all. Or, or barely got called that, you know, need to be in a position that if if you move Kobe and Swinton up to the first line um, and Simmons, that they've got to be on the second line making plays. I mean, out of what you would call your second line of wide receivers beyond those three being the starters, you had exactly one reception for seven yards by Malachi Bennett. And that's an issue that, and, and so you could say, okay, well, you know, where's an Omar Cooper in that case? You know, I'm trying to think of who else is sort of, on that next line. Um, but, but there are certainly other guys that you could say, all right, there's, there's other talented wide receivers on this team. Why aren't they, you know, stepping up and, and, and being the guy in that case. Um, but, you know, like you can kind of only ask those guys to step up so much, you know, like, cause I, I think they well, get I, a lot I, of the again, to get, get to like, but my point is that it's not about, it's not about asking. And, and this, listen, this, I guess this is me trying to get to a roundabout way of saying, Quarterback play's got to be better. Play call has oh, yeah. got to be better. Like for you know, for a while, there's just sort of been this blanket thrown over the offense that just says the offensive line stinks, and that's why that when they struggle, that's why they struggle. I didn't think they were great last night, but I didn't think they were terrible last night, and they frankly shouldn't have been. Nebraska's, no. Nebraska's not very good up front. That's that's no. one of Nebraska's big problems, um, and it showed. Indiana was better on the offensive line. My point in in getting back to this is it's not necessarily about guys stepping up. It's not about somebody playing above their game it's about figuring out here's how he can help us and then calling plays to fit that and indiana was really good at that for a couple years like a lot of other things they got away from it last year and i just it, it just it's sort of like it just again it's a little bit of everything. No, nobody's not at fault for this it, it, you know right. Connor Bays like needs to play better line needs to block better Running backs need to run better. Wide receivers need to receive widely better. You understand what I'm saying, but like it's sometimes playmakers isn't just like somebody steps up and goes, just goes out of their skin and, and does something that, you know, that, that we, you know, oh my God, look at, you know, Jalen Lucas had nine touches for 98 yards and two touchdowns. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is finding ways to put guys in the right spots so that when you need third and two, the right guy gets the ball to get you third and two. When, you, when you're at second and eight and you need to get to third and two, the right guy gets the ball in the right spot to get you third and two. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like that's that's what I feel like is missing from this. All. And listen, first year coordinator, three new coaches, whole bunch of new faces. And, it, and it's worth saying too, I'm not trying to pick on guys, but a lot of transfers that were probably probably transferred in part because they were on the periphery wherever they were. In Pretty several good. cases, definitely. Was. Yeah. So but. that's 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 part of it. But listen, this is sure. the, you know, these are the tools they've cho- Indiana has chosen. You got to build something with them, o- right. or you're going to get more nights like last night. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. For sure. And and they 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 obviously hadn't established. Okay. What what do we go to when these guys are you know. When we don't have Cam Camper and we don't have DJ Matthews, what's the next, you know, like, all right, you know, who, who do we go to in this case? Who, who's the other guy that can get us six yards on third and eight, you know, or on second eight or something like that? Yeah, I mean, they haven't they haven't established that. 
you know, again, like I don't, I don't think the line was, I, the line didn't have its worst performance, but you know, you're still only running for 67 yards. So that tells me that it's certainly not dominating anybody either. Um, but yeah, no, it, it is still a, a situation where they have not found this and, you know, you're now five games in and then you've lost a game that you really needed to win. So, you know, like the clock is past ticking at this point in terms of where, where that's going to be. But uh, uh, no, it, it, it remains an issue. It's not, it's, it, it's not, it is having home run threats, but it's also having, you know, more guys that you know that you can trust to come up with big plays or, or just even small plays uh, at important. The other part of this, and, and you know, few things reflect in offense's performance for better or worse, more than quarterback play. And I'm not singling out Connor Bays' lack over anyone else. Um, but I mean, it, it, Indiana is also, if you want to talk about guys, Indiana has not found a way to get in the right element yet. 50% completion rate, 223 yards, a touchdown, an interception. The interception wasn't really his fault. I mean, that was, you know, a, a weird play. Um, but, you know, when when most of all your quarterback does not look like he's found it. When I say uncomfortable, I don't, I don't want people to think like everybody looks like they have no idea what they're doing. But we all know what a – an offense looks like when guys are in rhythm and guys are, you know, guys, the timings down the, you know, the, 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 the rhythm of play calling is down. Everybody's, you know, at the right spot at the snap, they're taking the right steps. They're, they're, you know, their eyes are going to the right places, whatever. Every, anybody who's watched football knows what we're talking about when we say that. Um, when your quarterback you know, you're five games into the season. And like, listen, quarterback play has been much better this year than it ever was last year for a variety of reasons. And that's not me saying Connor Bays likes better than Michael Penix or Jack Teller or whatever. It's just saying that like, at very least, you are better than you were a year ago offensively. But nowhere I don't think on this offense is the inconsistency and the, and the lack of like just sort of clear comfort reflected more than with, with Connor Bays lack. And until, you know, a, a lot of things got to get fixed to help him get going. But until he gets going, I think he is going to keep reflecting just this idea that the offense can't find it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think and so there's there's obviously a lot of pieces to that. And as far as, like you said, just getting everyone in position, which goes back to some of the other things we've already talked about is, is getting him in rhythm and getting in positions, you know, goes back to line play, goes back to playmakers, it goes back to all those things. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you still see a guy frequently, you know, sort of, and one of the, it's simultaneously a contributor and end product that, you know, he, yeah, doesn't look comfortable frequently. Every, every once in a while he does. And you can see that he's capable of a lot when he's in rhythm, you know, you know like Indiana's touchdown drives largely look really good. They look like, like really good. Like yeah, no. most of them, it, it's, it's not like you tear off like three chunks. It's like, you know. Boom, it's like, boom, oh, boom, that's boom, what it's boom, supposed boom. to yeah. look like. Right. Exactly. Again. No, I mean, the, the, the two touchdown drives, uh, you know, last night were, are, are, are magnificent. I mean, and, and when they get tempo going and when they pick up first downs and when they run to the line and when they, you know, execute, 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 they look really good. Uh, and, and, you know, it should be noted that it's hard to, it's hard to replicate that, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> It's, it's not easy to do over and over again. It's not, it's not easy to have several of those drives in the course of a game. And I think there's a reason why they, uh, you know, they, they make those plays at the end of the end of halves. I mean, I, I do think that 
Um, you know, I don't know at, at this point whether tempo has been good or bad for them, but that's definitely the those you know drives are definitely the product of tempo. You know, no question about it. Right. Um, like I mean, I and I said that like it's it's I don't know it's this double edged sword. Like people say, you know, people say I had questions last night. Should the offense slow down so guys can get more comfortable? Should they slow down so the defense gets more rest? And it's sort of like, well, if you say you want to go fast and then you start going slow. Before you figured out how to go fast, like it's, you know, a pitcher who can command like a 98 mile an hour fastball and can just pump strikes with a 98 mile an hour fastball Mm. can then back it off two miles an hour when once he's got his command, then maybe he's in a situation where he can take just a little bit off. Maybe it's a little more movement. It surprises a batter who thinks he's who thinks he's teed up the fastball and suddenly it's coming in two miles an hour slower and he rolls over it rather than driving it. But you got to command the fastball first. You can't start tinkering with it until you've got a feel for it. Yeah. That's this, true. you know, this offense is built to move fast. That is the point. Tom Allen has said, like, I went out and got Walt Bell because I wanted this. Right. I can't, or what I, I not, not I, but if I'm, I was speaking as Tom Allen, I can't tell them to throttle back and slow down until I see them comfortable sped up. Right. Because then you've totally undermined the point of why you did this. Right. And it's, it's a weird thing to say because it's like, I've seen, you know, coordinators or, or offensive minds that were like, okay, well, we want to run tempo every once in a while. And even Wilson was like this a little bit, you know, like what Wilson thought, okay, you know, we're going to run tempo every once in a while. Like it's going to be part of our, um, you know, repertoire, but it's not going to be something we do all the time. You know, like there'll be time where we slow it down. We want to take up four minute chunks and there'll be times when we do it, but like, but they went in with that understanding, you know, it's like, okay, like he already had a sense of, okay, this is what I, when I want tempo to be. Um, and you know, it's, it, it, it obviously it all kind of depends on the approach, depends on what you're getting used to. And bell is a guy who just believes in the speed. And obviously that is what Tom Allen hired. Um, and so whether, if he wanted a guy that just wanted to do tempo sometimes, then he shouldn't have hired Walt Bell. You know, he hired Walt Bell because Walt Bell wants to do tempo all the time. That's what he believes in. That's what he believes that you, um, you know, that that's how he believes you do it. And, you know, like it requires a full commitment to really make it work. Um, if you're going to do tempo as much as he wants to run, run tempo, it's got to be part of what you do in the off season. It's part of your conditioning work, you know, like it is what you do. And it's that you condition your defensive players to, to operate that way. You know, you function your defense to operate that way. And they've sort of bought, bought all into this and Allen has gone all in and, and it might end up being a bad situation long-term, you know, the, the double-edged sword might get them. There's again, there's value to it. There's drawbacks to it. You know, and whether it's going to be better or worse for you depends on a whole lot of factors, not just being whether or not you're good. You know, like it's not a case of, OK, well, are, are they good enough to run tempo? Are they not good enough to run, run tempo? You know, it's 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 based it's more intense than that of or more like in the weeds than that of like, OK, like does tempo make you better? And that's not a question I think you can answer until you start using it. Um, so, you know, I, I think they're still figuring that out and I don't, I, I can't imagine them pulling back the throttle the way that they've approached this. I think it's possible to not do tempo all the time, but the, the way that this has been approached, they're pretty much pot committed to doing it. And I, and I don't think, you know, pumping, like hitting the brakes, you're slamming on it and it's not, you know, a situation where you're really going to have a sense of, of when to do it, when to not do it. Like, you know, you're just going to mess up the situation. So I think, I, I don't think they can pull off of this now. 
I think defensively, I mean, again, I didn't think they were perfect. Um, I think that the, the, maybe the, the one big thing that you say, if, if you are, I think critiquing this defensive performance more than anything else is the two guys you wanted to come into this game. And, and this is always an oversimplification, but the two guys that you came into this game thinking, don't let them beat us were Palmer and Grant. And between them, 40 touches, 293 yards, only the one touchdown, but um, you know, you, you never really got a hold of Palmer. Now close to half of his yards came on that one touchdown pass, which was just, you know, sometimes you get out schemed and Trey Palmer one-on-one with a freshman safety is, is obviously a good job by Nebraska, but still it just, it never, you know, and in a weird way, you, you never even quite felt like, Either one of these guys was, I guess, for lack of a better term, like taking over the game. Palmer a little bit. I didn't I didn't feel like there were moments where Grant was just sort of inevitable as a running back. But at the end of the night, you're sitting here, and between them, they've accounted for almost 300 of Nebraska's 385 yards, and they're the guys that have probably hurt you the most. And I think that's, you know, that's maybe the biggest – critique that you could have of, of this defensive performance because I didn't think it was terrible. They created some takeaways. Um, I think they finished with four sacks, eight tackles for loss. Um, you know, they had a couple more, two or three more QB hurries in there, obviously created a touchdown directly themselves. Um, but if there's if there's one thing that maybe Tom Allen is 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 frustrated with Sunday morning, it's we let the guys beat us that we knew were the ones that were going to beat us if we didn't shut them down. Right. Yeah. And the way they move Palmer around, you know, that that's like, that's got to be the guy that you're looking at and saying, okay, where is he at all times? And let's have a sense of, okay, what, what do we want when he's outside? What do we want when he's in the slot? You know, how are we moving this around? Um, and, you know, like, you know, home run plays like the one they hit, you're, you're saying, okay, you know, what, what do we do when they, they run this? You know, basically, who do we want on him? How do we want to make sure that he's not beating us over the top? What do we want where there? And obviously, that was just, you know, a, a, a breakdown there, you know, in, in some way, shape, or form. And I don't know who was supposed to be where, um, but he obviously, you know, moved one guy one way, moved another guy another way, and just, you know, had big time, you know, leverage and an edge on Dunham and was just gone. Um, so, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, that those two guys still manage. I mean, I think what – they get 385 and like you said, you know, so they get what? Yeah, more than 300 of uh, their, am I right on that? Was it close to 190 or 290? Something like 290 of their 385 yards. Um, and yeah, it was so 293, I think. 293, yeah. yeah. Was trying to do math real fast and wasn't doing a very good job of it. And that's, and that's, only, on, that's on only 40 touches. I mean, it, between right. them, if you count them up, Palmer had eight catches. Grant had 32. I guess I'm not, I don't think Grant, Grant had, excuse me, Grant had one catch for one yard. So they had 41, they had 41 touches between them. Mm-hmm. And those 41 touches accounted for 294 yards. Now, again, they only had the one touchdown, but 294 yards is 200. Like we, we just spent so much of this podcast talking about the, you know, the, 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 um, the playmaking that Indiana didn't have 294 yards from two guys is 294 yards from two guys. Indiana never took them away. Right. No, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, if, when that, that obviously leaves open for a lot of possibilities when you know, those guys are coming then, you know, and you don't, and you're not able to shut them down, then you're probably going to have a long day. Um, so yeah, that's, that's still an issue is they can get, 
they can get beat by the big play. They can get beat by special players. Um, I, I think it's something that you're seeing so far, obviously happened a little bit with Tyler Scott against Cincinnati, basically when, when there are really explosive guys, um, you know, those guys are hard to guard and Indiana's having a hard time guarding them. Um, so, so that remains an issue. I mean, they're not getting blown up off the line. They're, they're getting some things done on pass rush. Uh, they are not bad against the run ever. You know, they, they, they weren't great last night, but you know, 115 yards on what 51 carries. So 2.3, you know, you'll take that basically you'll, you'll, you'll really take that as far as running the football is concerned. Obviously there's a lot of losses in there and that's, you know, sack adjusted. It's yeah, 163. Sack adjusted is 163, but it's still only three and a half yards of carry. I mean, right. sack adjusted average. So set, for people who may not know, sack adjusted is remove sacks because sacks go onto a, a rushing total in the, in college, in college. Yeah. Uh, whereas they go into a passing total in the NFL. Right. No, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sack adjusted yards is basically the rushing yards you generate, not counting sacks, which obviously in most cases are not rushing plays or not designed right. rushing plays. They're so passing this, down. There's a whole discussion about this. Like why, you know, why, why do college, why does college football count sacks, which are passing plays on 99% of the time, not rushing plays as rushing plays, but either way, three and a half yards per carry adjusted is still pretty good. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, they're, they're not getting gashed too much. They're usually able to stand up um, and, and not get pushed around. Um, you know, when it comes to stuff up front at this point, I mean, they're, they're not losing that badly. Um, so, and they're, they're capable of, of stacking, you know, keeping drives from getting out of the way, usually, you know, more times than not, um, you know, I mean, they give up what four touchdowns, they cause two turnovers, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight punts. So, like, they are successful more often than they are not uh, when it comes to stopping somebody. It's just you can't be, you know, like, again, they're giving up big plays to big-time players, and also they're in a position where I, I think they're, they are good enough to win with a really good offense, but they're not good enough to carry a bad offense. That's a good way to put it. Um, and I think just just to kind of put a point, by and large here on Nebraska. And then we'll talk a little bit of basketball because um, we got about 10 minutes left. You know, the thing we said about Indiana for the first four weeks was it's inconsistent. They keep finding ways to put themselves in, you know, in position to win games, Cincinnati, notwithstanding, even Cincinnati, they kind of had enough bursts to make it more competitive than it seemed like it should be. Um, but we just said like, is Indiana going to be able to sustain that formula? And when we looked at October, we said they have they have to win at least two of these four games, possibly three, but at least two. Here was an opportunity to you know to, to get one of those one of those two wins they needed out of uh, out of uh, uh, October. October, yeah. thank you. And I think it's I mean, listen, it's very, it was 21 21 at the end of the third quarter. Like, you know, Indiana wasn't hanging on by its fingernails here. I know it felt like it at times, but the reality was first half Indiana played Nebraska pretty even despite being so inconsistent offensively. And it was still tied at the end of the third quarter. But Indiana just never turned it on. You know, there, there was never that moment like we saw against Illinois or Western Kentucky where, where Indiana, you know, finally turned it on and, and found their gear or whatever. You know, this a game like this feels like sort of the, the answer to the question of is this sustainable for Indiana is no. 
Right. And, and you've okay. now, again, Nebraska wasn't a must win in the sense that like there are other games that conceivably Indiana can still win that would put them in position at worst to be five and six going into the Purdue game. But the, the Nebraska performance and, and the extent to which it felt like Indiana's frailties and shortcomings caught up with them. Yeah. So you feeling like, no, right. this, you know, this isn't going to work. Yeah. And it's hard to translate. I mean, if you look at the three remaining games in October, you know, I, I like certainly you first you go to Michigan and then you're like, no. Um, and, you know, Maryland obviously just beat Michigan State. That that doesn't look like a very, you know, um, that's certainly not an easy football game, even at home. And then you're still playing Rutgers on the road. And I think you could probably beat Rutgers, but that's it's not a sure thing. You know, it's certainly no, you know, it's it's not sure at all after how you played against Nebraska. I mean, I think Nebraska is probably better, better than Rutgers. I'm not sure how much better. Um, so, you know, like when we were thinking you need two, probably three out of October, you're going to have a hard time getting one, um, and two, you're going to have a real hard time getting. Briefly on basketball. I mean, I think probably we will, we will dedicate most of Thursday's show to basketball, Mm -hmm. um, because they have open practice. You know, I I think the, the biggest question I have for you and because we've asked this, you know, we asked it in the spring, we asked it in the summer, but now, um, you know, it's the, it's the business end of the off season. We're, we're, we're just over a month away from the opener. Um, you know, has anything changed for you basically about what your biggest questions are? Because I actually find it interesting that like, for me, it really hasn't very much. There are some little bits and pieces that we hear this, you know, people, the way people talk, like, I, I'm I'm definitely more intrigued by Jalen Hutchifino than I even, and he was the highest rated signee in the Big Ten. But like, I'm still more intrigued by him now than I was a couple months ago, based on some things that I've heard and people have said. Um, but it's it's I'm just curious, you know, has, has any of it kind of changed for you in in your perspective? I think kind of every question I had is sort of in in in, in a way enhanced, I guess. Um, and and I don't mean that it's a bigger question than it was, but it, it's sort of like you know, when I sort of thought at the beginning, okay, well, like if these things come together, that they, they can play at a different level. If this guy is that this, and this guy is that, but shoot compared where, where they were, that's a long way for them to go. You know, that that's, that's a, you know, it's like, okay, like you want Jordan Geronimo to play the three. Well, Jordan Geronimo has got to come a long way to play the three. All right. You want Tamar Bates to be what he was supposed to be when he was recruited. You want him to, to function like a top 30 guy. All right. Well, you know, he could, I could see it, but you know, that's still a long way for him to go. Um, and, you know, Hood Shafino and Reno and, and, you know, how ready are they going to be, you know, where are the minutes going to be for them? All, all that sort of thing. Um, it's like, all right, well, you know, like, let's, let's see what happens when they actually get to it. And just, again, just putting the tea leaves together, mostly from the interviews we had in the summer, then we interviews we had at media day. It's like, they might have a more figured out than I would have thought. I guess is sort of what I'm trying to say. Like, I think Jordan Geronimo is probably better at the three than I would have thought based on how they're talking about him. I think Malik Reyna was more ready to go than I would have thought. I think Jalen Huchifino, you know, Trace Jackson Davis saying, I think he's a one and done. Um, knocks you back because, I mean, like I could see Trace going with hyperbole for his guys to pump his guys up, but he's not stupid. Like Trace is a smart guy. Like Trace is an extremely, I think, and, and I think he's like, he is a really good, you know, like, and, uh, you know, analyst of college basketball, I think. Um, and so I think he gets it. Like, I think he knows what it looks like. And him saying that about, about Jalen is a big deal. Like you said, I mean, I, I think the way they talk about all these pieces, it sounds like 
they're coming together and that they are deeper maybe than I even thought they were going to be. Um, so that, that's, that's sort of where it's going. Like, I mean, I still have the same questions. It's like, okay, what does this look like when you put it on the floor? How, how far have these guys come? And if they have come that far, what are your combinations then look like? Um, you know, how do you get them all on the floor? How do you get them in, in together in functional working order? Um, you know, what, what, what do you do with these guys? How does it work? Uh, I still have all those questions and I'm not going to know it until I see it, but I, I do think it like all those kind of individual questions seem more likely to be affirmed, you know, answered in the affirmative than I might've thought five months ago. I also am curious. And, and this is, you know, again, we're just, we're just picking at the edges of this right now, but I, the other thing I'm curious about is, is depth because everybody mm-hmm. I've heard raves about Jalen and Shafino raves about Malik Renault. Um, you know, Mike Woodson was, was, you know, really until the end of the season, very sort of loyal to those, those basically almost second lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, it, I, I know it frustrated fans because they felt like the drop off was too great. And I guess I'm sort of curious, like, what if it's not this year? You know, what what if, because that is the sort of thing that makes me start to think Indiana can navigate a tough Big Ten schedule and and win a share of the Mm -hmm. conference is if your second line can drop things off or the, excuse me, the drop off from your first line to your second line isn't so pronounced that you are able to get to jump on the opposing team's reserves consistently you know, that, that, that's where, like, when we talk about what the, the weaknesses and the strengths are, that should be a strength for Indiana and not just in terms of mm-hmm. bodies, but like, it seems like that bench is going to be good. It's, yeah. It should be genuinely good. And if, if Woodson can find the right, you know, sort of, of blend of like, you know, does Malik Renault go in at the four or the five who plays with him in the front court when he's in there, you know, how do they get at least some three point shooting on the floor, all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I'm just, that's kind of maybe the other bit I'm I'm curious about. And again, we will talk more about this. We're running short on time, but we will talk yeah. more about this on um, Thursday. We will also look ahead to the Michigan game. Don't worry. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I think that it is time to start. And this is not a joke about it. it's basketball season because IU football people are, are jumping ship on IU football. It, it's just that um, I think people are just interested in basketball, frankly, at this time yeah. of year. So, um for the moment, for the evening, he is Dustin DePirac. I'm Zach Osterman. Thank you uh, so much for joining us on Mind Your Banners for October 2nd, 2022. I'm going to sign off and go sweat this Braves game. Uh, Dustin presumably is not. and we will I'll watch it. But... There you go. We'll talk to you all on Thursday. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon.